If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Danny Zucker is best known for his Emmy award-winning work as an executive producer of ABC's Modern Family. Zucker has worked in various capacities on a variety of TV shows, including Just Shoot Me, Grace Under Fire, and Roseanne. Hi, Danny. Hi. How are you? So happy you're here. It looks like you have a ring light. I know. Well, that's just my natural glow. (laughs) How's your pandemic going? Oh, it's so cool. It's the greatest. (laughs) I mean, there is like, we were all very sad because like 11 seasons of the show ended. And Mm -hmm. I never had a job more than two and a half years in the decades I've been working. And so we're all kind of like bumming that our show ended. And then like the world show ended. And it was like, okay, I guess we all are pushing reset right now. Yeah, that must be so surreal for you. Very, very weird. Because here you were like working, I'm imagine, I'm assuming every day for like the last yes. 11 years. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, always know it. No, yeah. Yeah. You know, even on hiatus, you, you have coming back to a job and all of that. So it's very strange. Did you ever work from home or you went into the office all the time? When is the office all the time? I mean, when you're off on a script, you can write that wherever you want. But, like, you know, we come up with the stories as a group. We rewrite them as a group. You're re- basically, the time that you're on is your first draft. Which you, you get a week to write that first draft. And, um, and you can pretty much do that anywhere. I've done it at hotels. I've done it all over the place. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah. I'm surprised that that show ended because everybody loved it so much. Uh, 11 seasons. We were – it was time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, creative. I mean, I would have – I would have said – you know, let's keep cashing the checks, but it, but creatively we were, we were, I, you know, the most interesting family you've ever met has about 10 stories that they can break out at parties, but maybe like the Obamas have 15, you know, but like these, each one of these families had 250 stories. So it's a little bit hard to kind of keep that fresh and all that. Oh, hi, Christine. Hi, Christine. I know her. Aww. Uh, yeah. Do you, um, go on. Will you guys do some kind of spinoff, like a Better Call Saul? I mean, there's talk. There's, you know, I think everybody's sort of just like, uh, you know, healing just a little bit. But yeah, there's, 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 there's this preliminary discussions in the work. So we'll see. Okay. Um, how did you get into that job? I mean, I mean, I've been doing. I, I wanted to be in comedy since I was a very little boy. And, uh, um, like I heard, like I remember when I was like five or six years old, I, I was very, I was not like very in tune with the Jewish experience growing up. Like we had Christmas tree, but the most Jewish thing about me was that my grandfather on my mom's side was a bartender in the Catskills and, um, which was like the Borscht belt with all the comics. And this is like, so like in the early seventies, I was like five or something or six. And, and, I meet this guy, friend of my grandpa's, and this flashy guy with big lapels, and his name was Van Harris. His real name was probably like Shlomo Rabinowitz, but it was, uh, you know, but he, uh, Van Harris, and he told me he was a comedian and was telling me jokes, and I was just like, oh, that seems, that seems like a good gig. And so, like, I really was a comedy nerd and started out as a PA, got my first writing jobs when I had the chance, and, you know, just uh, got into it. Got into it. I, you know, so it was a, I was very lucky though to get this, you know, modern family coming kind of late in my career was uh, God, what a great bonus. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like there was, was there any kind of secret sauce to landing that gig or anything that you felt like you, you did like a special, you know, on, on that show? No. I mean, I knew both Chris, um, 
Lloyd, but and, and Steve Levitan who created the show. And so Steve, I worked on since Just Shoot Me. And it was just like one of those things. It was like I was available and there was a show that was going on and, and um, you know, they liked me. And I, you know, I, it was like, it was a good match of a show for my, the time my twin girls were the same age as the kids on that show. And, um, well, they still are the same age as the kids on that show. And then I have a son who was a couple years younger. So I was like living that world. And so I was able to, all of us mind a lot of stories from our lives and put them out on the screen. So that's, so that's so cool. So was that like the writing process? Like, would you guys come in and kind of brainstorm what happened in your life that week? A lot of times. Yeah. I mean, especially in those early, I mean, it's funny because, you know, even we would start to like, I'd start to look at, you know, we, we, we would tell our best, you know, 10 stories and then it's like then you're like looking at your kids and you're like Jesus Christ do something interesting (laughs) daddy needs a story (laughs) and Uh, did you ever have like things happen with your kids and you were like kind of like oh this is a bit of a crisis but it's going to make a great episode (laughs) oh totally (laughs) absolutely and or you know or, or or marriage stuff or yeah it was all that stuff yeah yeah. yeah, that's I yes. guess I guess that, that's how we're lucky as comics or comedy writers is like whenever something happens, it's always like, oh god, yeah. this is horrific, but it's going to make an amazing story. Yeah, yeah, the people in our lives may not feel as lucky sometimes, but but yeah, yeah. Did you ever have people see characters on the show and go, "Hey, is that based on something yeah, I did?" Yeah, and they're almost always wrong. <laughs> I mean, which is funny, but it's like. No, I mean, sometimes I'll say yes just to make them feel better, but a lot of times they're wrong. I was pretty specific about the the things. I, I, I kind of had enough. But no, that's not true. There were a couple ones that were definitely based on somebody, somebody else, and they called me out on it. So, yeah, that definitely happened, for sure. Did you have to say, like, make it up to them, or were you just like, hey, I'm a writer? Um... Yeah, I, it's like the price of admission. Yeah. That's – this director <laughs> – this director told me once, if you live through it, you get to write about it. Um, did any, oh, that's a good question. Yes. Double looking down that question. What room ever have kids walk in on them during set? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, uh, the question it? that someone wrote in, VW uh, Girl 11, did anyone in the writer's room ever have their kids walk in on them during sex. And they did. Yeah, that was exactly what it, uh, Steve Levitan um, had that happen. And we knew we were going to make that into a story. So, yeah, of course. Perfect. So much, so much we've mined from our lives. That's so cool. So, like, um, what do you feel like now, like, like having all this free time and all this stuff? Uh, it's weird. I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a I, – I wish I were being more productive than I'm being, which is normal. Um, but I just don't know. I mean, a part of me is liking the, I mean, it's kind of liking the break and the downtime. And I mean, and then the money will run out and then I'll be like, oh shit, I'm going to get working again. But, um, you know, I'm pitching a few things. I'm working with a couple writers and, um, on some, you know, nascent ideas. But, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, it's one of those things like I'll know what the next thing is when I see it. You know, it's like, I'll know what that thing I most want to do is like when it, I, and the part of me thinks like it's, it, I, there are a couple things that could be it or it might be something I haven't even thought of yet. That's so. an exciting window. Yeah, of course. So let yeah. me ask you what sort of um, pivotal moment or trauma did you overcome and how did that inform your creative process? Wow. I was joking with you uh, when you asked me. It's like, how do I pick one? Um, I'm sorry. This is not COVID. This is quitting smoking. Oh, good yeah. for you. Take your take your moment. So that's the trauma that I want to talk about. Is being cut cut off on Instagram Live, and I'm I'm still I'm still processing it really. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, here we are. You know, just doing a great um, interview show, and then Instagram Live cuts us off, and now yeah, it's it was, like at a pivotal, pivotal oh question. I mean, I don't know if I can get the tears back, but let me try. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, okay, so here was my, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my trauma other than this was, uh, um, uh, yeah, it's about like, uh, 22 years ago, but like I, I, uh, I was doing all of the cocaine in the world. Like I was just doing all of the, oh, uh, <laughs> Okay, wait. So, twenty-two yeah. years ago, you were doing all the drugs, all the cocaine. I, yeah, I just liked cocaine quite a bit, and wound up sure. like starting a house. And I was, um, and I was like good at sort of covering it. And I had a job on a TV show, and I was like hiding money, and it was just really, really bad. I was living this secret life, and I was like, and it was, wait, uh, what? What TV show were you writing on? Elf. Just shoot! Just shoot me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know that you know that movie Permanent Midnight. The guy was oh, writing on Al. Right. Let me even tell you about that. Okay. While I was so, while I was so um, completely fucked up, I read was reading Permanent Midnight and could not see myself in it at all. In fact, the only thing I could think of was like Alf. You know, I was like, I'm like <laughs> belittling Alf, like not the story at all. <laughs> So you were reading Permanent Midnight about heroin, right? But then you, a, a TV writer on heroin. He was a heroin. Jerry Stahl. Yeah, he was heroin. I was cocaine. And you were doing a lot. You were snorting a house. I was snorting a house. Yeah. What does that mean, and snorting a house? Does that mean like all day, like you wake up and do coke all day? I, I, what If you put a, a price tag on the amount of cocaine I did over the several years I was doing it, it would have been a house. Okay, and I'm not. I'm assuming that's not a tiny house. That's like. I mean, it's a, let's put it this way. It's not. Um, it would be like a nice house, you know, outside somewhere in Ohio. Might be like a. I, I think maybe like um, a condo here in Los Angeles. Okay, so a condo in the marina. Yeah, a condo in the marina is about right. Maybe um, I mean not like it would be a fixer upper. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to overstate how much coke I did. But, but but let's put it this way: when I first twenty two years ago, when I was writing this, this when, when I came up with this analogy, uh, it was closer to a house. But now, in today's dollars, it's, it's a guest, it's a guest house, a bungalow in a not great neighborhood, up and coming, like just pre gentrified. <laughs> So, so like, did you have to have someone delivering it to you all the time? Um, or what no, was your I, process? It was hard. Well, so this is how this is how you build a cocaine habit. So, you know, I would travel to my dealer, and I would be like, but I was always thinking it was never an issue. So, like, first, like, I get a gram of cocaine, and then start my day, and then I realize, holy shit, you know, I don't want to have to keep going back the next morning. Sure. Why didn't I get two grams? But then those two grams would be gone already. And that's how, and I eventually got to five grams of cocaine a day. So it's like $500 a day habit of cocaine. Oh my gosh. So what does that look like? Like, first of all, is, is the gram, sorry, I don't know the math, but is that like this much cocaine? You're thinking, oh my God, no. I mean, well, you're looking at what are you looking at? You're, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm warm. I'm not getting sexy. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, uh, um, no, it's not, it's a gram. It's like, uh, you know, it's uh, like a little, little, one of those little baggies. Okay. The little baggie. Okay. So you do uh, but five of those, like five of those. And so you basically just have to do like a little all day and then it's yeah. like gone. And I was, and I was doing it all the time. And it was like, I was like, you know, um, I would just, yeah. And I would just like, it didn't get me high. It just kind of got me. It, but the only thing it did was make me not want more cocaine for that short amount of time. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so did know. you have repercussions like headaches if you didn't have it or you were cranky oh, yeah. or oh yeah yeah it's irritable it's cranky i fucked up my nose i uh it was it was it, the whole thing was just it was a i don't recommend it it was horrible were you like mean to people i was just uh i was yeah i probably was mean to people and i was also uh and distant and isolated and um yeah just was uh all the things yeah, all, all, all of it, all of it. And I, I, uh, um, 
Yeah, it was really bad. And then my wife um, and I had twins, and I managed to stay clean for two nights, and um, and then just picked it right up again. And it was basically my daughters were like um, five months old, and I was like, I got like I couldn't hide the money anymore, and I was just I was going out of my mind. I was hallucinating from not sleeping, and she like went through the bank records and saw, and I was like, I didn't put up a fight. I was like, yes, I have a real problem, and um, and you know it was like. It was all about, you know, it was surrendering, you know, it was about like, just, uh, I surrendered to it. You know, I said like, I am, I need, I need fucking help. And it was like, it was a huge relief. I mean, really, it was like, um, it was rough. What was funny was not funny, but, um, so I get off cocaine. I got my, I had a shrink who gave me, you know, prescribed me some clonopin to relax me while I was there. And I wound up sleeping for about two and a half, three days, like really like get up a little bit sleeping all the way through. And when I woke up from that, I felt great. And I really thought that, um, Oh, I got to be, I was never really an addict. Like I thought like I was not an addict. I just, I just was doing it too much. And now I'm stopped, but I'm going to go to rehab to, as penance to my family, you know, it's like, I have to go to rehab to people. So I'm going to go there. And I, I, I literally was there for about a week. still trying to get out of going to being in rehab and utterly convinced that I was not an addict. And it was only like, it was only, um, you know, somewhere like day seven, it sort of hit me that, Oh wait, no, no, I'm not only an addict. I'm like, a, I'm a, I'm a run of the mill, regular old cocaine addict. So you, know, you you realized that at like a week into rehab. Yeah, yeah. A week into rehab, probably ten days, eleven days into not doing cocaine. That was when it's like, oh wow. And so, um I uh yeah, and like I said, you know, like it was it was very freeing to do that and to not um to not have that. And you know, I I was at your shoot me, this is why I love being a comedy writer and I like that my peer group with comedy because it makes it, um, I don't know, it just makes it, it's, it's what I, they speak my language, but like I left that afternoon, like basically when I got the call from my wife, I'd seen the bank say that you have to come home. I just walked out of the work. It was the middle of the day. I walked out of the work and I didn't show up for a month. Like my lawyer called and said, he's they, they didn't know what happened to me. People thought like, cause I was acting kind of, I was, I was acting kind of sick and they didn't pin drugs on me at that point. And they were thinking, Oh, did he die and all that? So eventually we told, you know, people told the people I was working with, Hey, he's got a cocaine problem. He's gone. And like, I came into work and I'll never forget. I always will feel very um, indebted to Steve Levitan for this, but he was like, I said, if you, I said, if you don't mind, I'd like to just like talk to the room this morning. They can ask me all the questions they want because I've been lying to these people. I probably been a little cranky with them. I was like, not my best self all the way through and I'll answer any question they have for hours. And we took the whole morning. And, it, and I just talked about like what that was like and they asked me questions about it. And then I, I got up to go to the bathroom and when I came back, someone had taken a sugar packet and cut two lines of sugar right in front of me. And I love that so much as a comedy writer because <laughs> it meant that we can make jokes about it. And, That's so like, great. I remember, t- I remember telling that story in a meeting and people were horrified, but uh, you know, that's, that, that's what speaks to comedy writers. Yeah. That's comedy writers. So, um, how long had you been on cocaine at that time? I mean, I was on and off it for, I was on and off it for many years. I was, I was doing it in a very serious way for a couple of years, you know, it, it, it got, it was finally out of control for a couple of years. That's, oh, somebody says, did, well, did you do the lines? The lines of sugar? I mean, I was tempted to. Um, Wow. So that's amazing. So what helped you like get through that time? Um, well, you know, my family, um, uh, my therapists, um, true. I'm not currently like in 12 steps, but and I have nothing bad to say about it. There were things about it that I just veered away from, but I, they just, I followed all the rules for a very long time and talked to people and kept it very fresh in my head. Um, and that really helped um, quite a bit. What do you, what did you veer, like, what did you veer away from about it? Like what turned you off or didn't it really work for you anymore? Um, 
I, I, I'm always reluctant to talk about it because I don't want to take it away from other people. Sure. I have, I, I for me had certain trouble with, I was happy to like have the burden of my, of my addiction be lifted from me that it was like, and that there was an all loving God who was like looking out for me and all that stuff. And, but I, it eventually became a little, I, I, you know, they say that it's, okay for agnostics but a lot of times mutants are not you know it's, it's a little it's a little more gaudy than i like yeah or that i'm comfortable with doing um in in, in uh in in a, in a large yeah i hear you oh wait i think I, you froze okay there you are yeah okay. i hear you Yay. um okay danny what did that yes. did that like overcoming well i didn't even want to cut you off did you have more traumas than that was the chief? Okay. So that's yeah. like, um, that's big time. So like, oh, for sure. how did that inform your creative process? Like overcoming cocaine addiction? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, the thing about addiction is it lies to you so much. So it's like, you can't write without cocaine, which is so bananas. Like you, I can, I, I can almost get the argument for weed because sometimes that gets people's minds going, not mine, but does. And it's like, but cocaine doesn't make you more creative. Cocaine makes you like you're going like this. It keeps you up, but it doesn't make you more creative. So it was like, you know, writing that first script I have to write for a show without, um, without uh, cocaine. Uh, um, was very free. It was difficult, but it was also like, oh, I don't need this. I, you know, I don't need the crutch. I mean, because it was always like a thing I would do is like, okay, let's get through the first act and you have a little cocaine. But then it was like you write a page and you have a little cocaine. Like that was like, so just getting rid of that process, bringing those habits was was key. Yeah, yeah, I've had that too when I've quit things and I thought, yeah. oh, I can't possibly write if I don't wake up and smoke. A pack oh, yeah. of cigarette, like the mental, the lie that you can't do things without yeah, no, the thing. It tells, it tells you you need it. Yeah. So that's just the hardest part is going through that withdrawal and then getting oh used to a life where yeah. you, you actually start to see that it's a lie. Because like in my case, I'm like so much such a better writer when I don't have to stop and. Yeah. Me too. Smoke. Me too. Yeah. It's so much better. It's so, so much better. better. So much better. We're so lucky. I'm, I'm still I'm still uh, struggling <laughs> with the uh, the nicotine monster. Okay. As I put nicotine down in my mouth. How long have you been on the nicotine? Well, I was good. Like I had gotten I had stopped smoking <coughs> this summer. <coughs> my smoker's clock at about a week. This is what happens. But um uh over the break, over the, the holidays, <laughs> I got triggered and it came back, but I've been off it now. So good. Um, did are you just doing the gum? I or did you read that easy way to stop smoking book? No, I was just doing the gum. I the, the last I'm not I, I wasn't smoking that much this time. Last time I did Chantix, which really did help. What's that? It's this drug you take, and it just makes it like not. It does really affect your urges, and then you wean off of it, and it really did work. Here's just some crazy dreams, but it was, uh, it was, it, it, you know, it was good. What's it called? Chantix, C H A N T I X. Crazy dreams, like hallucin hallucinogenic dreams. Well, when you're in the dreams, it's just like they're just vivid and weird, and the imagery. So, I mean, I don't know if they're nightmares necessarily, but they're not pleasant. Did you? Um... They're not pleasant, but they help you quit. Well, no, I think this is a side effect. <laughs> the, 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 the Shantix itself, like during the day, just, it does reduce urges. Like you feel it. And even when you have one, like it doesn't taste as good or, you know, it's like it, it, it seems to do something to whatever serotonin uptake re receptors or whatever. Okay. You know, got it. You know. You, I always laugh so much when I see you, and then my throat starts hurting. Oh, that's good. Because <laughs> you always make me laugh. It is good. It's positive. You always make me cough, so it works out. What is your um, current 
creative process for, or just current process for staying sane during the pandemic? It's a day-to-day moment for me, and I'm not sure I have it all figured out. Yeah. I'd like it, I, I go up and down. I've had like, you know, it's been a, it's been a challenging year personally this year, which I'm, I won't talk about here now, but it's, I've had like those challenges are very, seem very reminiscent of the, the cocaine and all that. And I, and I, uh, um, so it's like, I'm trying to take it day by day. I'm trying not to be like, I know that try not to get too attached to like the ups or the downs just to know that it's a wave. And that's when I'm at my happiest, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a day-to-day challenge. I'm doing a lot of therapy, which has been helpful. Oh, that's great. Do you do it on Zoom or phone? I, I do it. I, I wasn't, but now I do it on, um, yeah, now I do it on FaceTime. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Like, what yeah, do you, it's been helpful. how did you find your therapist? Was it recommend, recommended? Well, it was a recommendation. Like, when uh, when some of the uh, personal stuff was going south, um, uh, it was recommended, and, uh, um, and, uh, and I've been, I've had so many uh, shrinks and therapists and whatnot. And I, I always can find something, some reason to like, ah, you know, I, I can, the smallest thing I could get, make, make them go away. Like, or I dismiss them. Like they'll just, uh, they'll, oh my God, that my last, ther- you know, this therapist said, irregardless, oh, they're an idiot. I can't use them. You know, <laughs> like, I'll take a little stupid thing like that. I'll lie to them. And um, I'm currently the woman who's just so smart. And it's no bullshit and is, um, yeah, I just, and I'm also, I was like ready to just be like completely honest and not perform. Cause always very, you know, I think for comedy people like are going to therapy and you're, a lot of my goal is I want to be the most entertaining client she has, you know, <laughs> like, which is not particularly helpful. It's true. You can get it. Like you can get into yeah. like entertaining versus. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying not to be that, you know, and and she's been she's been great. I've been with her for like um, like not nine months, and I'm really it's been it's been good. So she wasn't around. She wasn't with you in the cocaine yeah. years. No, no, no. She's a recent addition. So I, I, I probably had four or five since the cocaine years. Okay, so you've gone through four or five, and one of them, <sighs> one of the therapists said irregardless, and they, and that was it. They were done. I was just sort of like using that as an example, but it could be anything that small. It could be like, I would just like, I would, I would always look for a reason to dismiss them in some way. Or if I lied to them and they bought it, I'd be like, you know, if they challenged me on something and I lied and they were like, oh, that makes sense. And they bought it. I would be like, okay, you're done. Like I would write them off, you know, so. So you were hard. like testing them. Yeah. And it was like silly. And uh, yeah, DW girl saying I hope she doesn't screw up. And even if she does, I forgive her now because uh, I, I uh, she's earned my trust. And so you uh, do you do ter- uh, how, how often do you do therapy? <coughs> Sorry, Jesus. Oh my gosh, it's because I'm making you talk so much. I know. R.I.P. Danny. Um, it was. Uh, I was. <coughs> fuck. Um. I do it. I was doing it twice a week, pretty regularly before before the new year, and then I, I, I tapered back to once a week. But it's been a, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been good. I do it now once a week, and it's been it's been super helpful. Yeah, it's so great to talk to a non-judgmental. Yeah. Person. Someone's like kind of on your team. <laughs> Does it help you with writing? Absolutely. Because it clears your head of all the Of all stuff. the negative voices. You know, I have like these voices in my head that are constantly like telling me I'm a fraud and I'm useless. Really? Oh, constantly. I, like, I, I mean, I don't know how many scripts I've written in uh, primetime television in my life, but, you know, a lot. And every single script I turn in, I am utterly convinced this is the one that they're going to discover I'm a huge fraud. What do you like, think that's from? I mean, it's ain't, I, I'm, you know, it was from trying to, uh, love me, daddy. You know, it's that kind of stuff, you know, stuff with your, all the children, the child stuff. I think that's what it is. What's the deal with your dad? Um, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> 
no. I, <laughs> What's the deal with your dad? I think, I don't know. I feel like it's been, I feel like it was very blessed. I think people in comedy, I, I think people in comedy who had, who had a dad who didn't pay attention to them a lot um, have just such an advantage. Like, I don't know <laughs> why anybody would do this who had like a, a dad who showed them any kind of affection at all. Um, it's so, so uh, true. I, I, Amen. I, I, I don't understand it. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's just this, like the, the, to me, they're unicorns. Right? Oh no, I'm, my parents are my best friends. How are you yeah. funny? Why are you funny? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're, they're a friend. Those people who are like, their parents were like, you're great. I'm yeah. sorry. Good luck with comedy. Yeah, here's like I tell this is, this is a pretty easy story to tell um, of like when people are like, yeah, what, why do you think you're funny? I'll just tell this story of growing up. So I'm the um, oldest. I have two younger sisters, and you know my dad was was uh, I don't my dad was a, a fighter pilot, and then came back and became like a successful businessman. And you know, we were upper middle class in New Jersey. But, um, and I was like, not like a great athlete ever. And he was like, a, he was an athlete, he was a, you know, this macho-ish guy. And I was not, you know, um, um, by, you know, I was, I, 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 that wasn't where my, I felt maybe that's chicken and egg. Maybe if he threw a ball with me, I would have been, but I don't know. Who knows? Let's just say that. But anyway, um, so fair, fairly early. So when I'm a, when I'm a kid, so there was, we had, we had neighbors, like, you know, a couple streets away. And my dad would always play tennis down at these tennis courts. He was a, like a really good tennis player. And um, there were these kids who were, the youngest one was this kid who was, um, he was like two years older than me and a real jockey kid. And, and that was good. The um, middle kid, the middle kid was four years older than me and another jockey kid. And then they had an older sister who was probably eight years older than I was. And my dad would go, you know, play tennis with them and do all this stuff with them. One time, like literally, and it's like Super Bowl, and he like, like left. I'm going to go watch it with these kids. And I was like, you're not going to watch the Super Bowl with me. I'm going, oh. like, it was like I, I used to joke in my act that my dad didn't leave my mom. He, he he left me. He was like one day. He's like, you know, look, I met other kids. It's not you. <laughs> like after you process it and do all the the work around it you're like yeah what a gift actually because who the hell would want to stand in front of an audience and be like look at me it's it's a certain pathology no there's a writer i mean it's so funny it's like because i used to do this bit one of my first shots was howard stern i was telling them he did this bit and like howard loves this so he uses it on the show now but it originated with the writer's room on roseanne but I was like, on the writer's room, saying, I'm doing a room bit that's drawing all this attention to me. And Tim Doyle just looks at me and goes, love me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so perfect. And, and it definitely defines a lot of my personality. Um, uh, uh, love me, daddy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, that's going to be the hashtag for your episode. Love me, daddy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a beautiful coughing. <laughs> um, so like, how did you actually move through that? 
or make um, peace with that? You know, I just, uh, my, like, it was interesting because, like, I kind of worshipped my dad up until this point. It was one of those things where he seemed like a cool guy. He started his own business. He had money. He was, like, he was a fighter pilot. Oh, yeah, I get why he wants to play with those kids, but I'll get his attention that way. And then when it all started to be revealed to me, like, around 16 or 17, I did, like, just this huge switch. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to – I know what I want to do. And uh, so, I, you know, just – I guess it just – there was a part of me inside me that just – I never wanted to do anything else with or without him, you know, what, what independent of him. I always wanted to do what I wanted to do with my life. And I just like, but it was like, <clears throat> he would undermine, <clears throat> like the, I heard the expression. I, I still think about this, but the first time I ever heard the expression, big fish in a small pond was from him because like, I was like the funny guy at my school and at college, I was like, the funny guy at my college and i was like yeah i want to make a career of this and it's like well you know you go out to la or new york that's where all the best are you know right now you're a big fish in a small pond and it was like i was so thrilled when i got paid to write jokes and do comedy because it was like yeah yeah i got your big fish right here <laughs> i so love that fish, but whatever i love that story it was yeah, it yeah. was irrespective of what he was doing <laughs> Yes, yes, that's very good. <laughs> um, uh, so Andrew Secunda, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Secunda. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it was, Tim Doyle was obviously very much awesome. No, Tim, Tim is, Tim's, a, Tim's an amazing writer friend, and he's, um, and he, uh, 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 he's just very good at identifying, writers are really good at finding thing in you that will make, them, like, because we can take it. You have to have a thick skin in the comedy writer's room. Yeah. And and we love it. You know, it's like you don't last very long, so we're very good. And somebody who can't take a joke about themselves has a very hard time in the comedy room. Re- I've, watched, I've watched drama writers walk into comedy rooms. Like, I think they're, they've, like done drama, they've done drama and they, they'll come into a comedy room or they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing this thing. And a lot of times they're, they can be, they can be horrified. <laughs> Have you ever seen someone like just get crumbled in a in a writer's room? Um, I have. It's never like people are really into. I mean, I, the point is usually people aren't. We're, if if somebody is starting to show signs of wear, it's not like we're going to beat them up more than. No, we're we're all assuming we can sort of joust. But every now and then you'll hit somebody's sacred cow, and you'll be like, "Oh, I didn't know." And then you know, we all feel bad, and then you try to make it up to them. But yeah. But it's hard to have sacred cows in there. It just is. Yeah. Did you guys have pretty much the same staff the whole time at Modern uh, Family? No. Is this sexy? What are we doing right now? It is. Thank you. Actually, um, this episode is sponsored by Kleenex. Thank you. Um, no, we, there, there, we, we, had, we had some turnover. A lot of people, you know, some people who left, some people who didn't work out, and some people who should have stayed, who didn't, you know, there's, all the usual politics of the show. Oh my gosh! I wonder what you're going to do next. I do too. Have you heard of anything? It's nice to it's nice to have a break. I need it. It's nice to just be a human being, not a human doing. Whoa! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> that should be a fortune cookie. <laughs> You know what? Just how about just be right now, Danny? Oh my God! Yeah, let's just be. <laughs> well, be. Yeah. Don't do be. Don't do be. Does anyone have yeah. any other questions for for Danny? I love the scripts you've been posting on IG. VW oh yeah, process. yeah. I was doing little uh, Trump like uh, scripts um, where it was. They're little political things. I, I was like, it was funny. I did. I, they, those are, those are really fun to do for a while. And if, if another one occurs to me, but then it was like anything else I would have, like, I would do them. I get a good response. Okay. What's tomorrow's script going to be? And then it was like, Oh, this has become a job. Let's do something else. So, um, but it's been fun. I will say, you know, you're asking me how I'm getting through this. Yeah. Doing funny shit on the internet or making little funny videos or doing funny tweets or whatever. It's like, it's been a real release because there's no, like, I'm not going to get money from it. And it's just purely, I'm getting laughs. Like, or it's like I could do something fun like that. I just, like, it's been nourishing. 
like I'll wake up and I'll think like, oh yeah, I want to make that little video. Or I want to do this little thing or I have this idea for this. And I'll just do that. And uh, um, it's been fun. It's been fun to just do that. Well, you know, Oh, that's one thing that I've always loved about you uh, is that you thanks, are so prolific and generous oh. with your with your creativity and your humor because here you are like working this beyond full-time job and you're also like writing a book and like tweeting oh. at the president and like making all these funny things and and finding time to do shows. You you found time yeah. to come and do my little show TV writers and comedians and you killed it and everyone loved you. And I just, how do you have all the energy to do all that stuff? Here's the thing. Like a lot of times people ask me like what my hobby is or what the things are. And it's not that I don't have hobbies, but I really love comedy. Like I, you know, I love, I love solving joke problems. I love being able to go perform if I can, or I love doing that. Like it's like, that's fun for me. Like, and so like, I mean, look, there are times I just want to unwind and watch Netflix and I do a lot of that. And, um, but, um, but a lot of the time it's just like the thing that makes it makes it like, I could be writing a show all day long, just wanting to kill myself, even on the great, you know, a days at uh, modern family, like a great fucking show, but it's still a job and you're there and you can't figure something out. You just want to leave. And after a long day of that, I'm just going to get home and I'll unwind and writing a joke helps me unwind. It's the weirdest thing, but it's just like, you know, you're, it's sort of like you're called to it. It's like, you know, I'm not comparing myself to a professional athlete, but you with all the professional athletes, when I hear them talk, the one thing I do relate to, like when he's talking about Kobe is like after a game, how he would, after like a killer game, he would then go somewhere and just like shoot free throws somewhere or work on something. It's like he just played like the game, but and he just said, "I because that's what I like to do." And I, I, I do understand that. I, 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 I'm not nearly as driven as he was, but, um, but I think people, you know, you have to like to. I guess you have, you have to like it. <laughs> yeah, it it brings you and a lot of other people great joy, and also, it's just. Also, I think there's a momentum. Like, if you're not using your gifts and talents, they do get rusty. Yeah. But if you're, like, out there, like, writing all the time, then you're, like, yeah. kind of unwinding by writing because you're just still in that momentum. Completely. And you're right, um, Naples. It's completely like being a musician and making songs. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you go back and you – yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all that. It's uh, uh, Fred of. Giovanni T yeah. says yeah. he would like to subscribe to your YouTube. Do you have a YouTube? <laughs> I don't really have one. I occasionally post things on YouTube, but I should uh, actually a YouTube channel. Makeup tutorials. You got to get a ring light. I got to get a ring light. And then you can apply those things. Yeah, yeah. Don't get all technical with me. I don't. I'm. You know. I don't know. Apply those things. I don't know. I don't know of what you speak. <laughs> um, um, well, like where, what, what do you do? Any kind of exercise stuff? Uh, like, do you go uh, out, go out, go outside and walk, like a social distance walk or anything? Yeah, I have to do that every day if I can. I, I didn't. I did today. Um, I, I like, uh, and I feel it. Like I just was like today was sort of a day. I was, I did a little cleaning, but it was like, yeah, I, uh, um, I should exercise more. I have been more over this break. Um, but, uh, yeah, I should do, I should be doing, I mean, I've been eating healthier, which has been good. What are you but, eating? Um, uh, I just been getting a lot of, like, I got a bunch of like, um, like, uh, uh, like veggie meals. I'm trying to like limit meat a little bit. I like, like I'll have like meat like once a week like real red meat, which I love, but just like little fish. And I mean, they're still prepared meals, but they're ostensibly better than what I would do. Trying not to snack on junk. I love like, you know, I just love like chips and all that stuff. Like I just like whiz through some flaming hot Cheetos in a second. (laughs) Do you have uh, food delivery? Someone delivering these meals? Oh, um, Um, by the way, Soleil yes. says, when is doing it with Danny and Jenny coming back? <clears throat> soon. I'm actually I'm actually gonna give her a call right when we get up. We're gonna do a live one soon. Okay. Maybe in the next in the next two weeks. 
Yeah. Look for that on Danny's yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Okay. I did. I did it for food delivery. Um, it became too hard for them during this COVID thing. So just getting my own stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, what, um, have you ever had to like hire writers at modern family? I definitely recommended writers. Like I had to hire writers on other shows for sure. How did you choose who, like what made you choose the people that you chose? Okay. So the ones I hadn't worked with, because that's usually what you'll do is you'll fill out a staff because you'll like, know, Oh, she's really great. I know this person. I've worked with them. I know that. But for the blind, for the blind sort of hire, it's a crapshoot, and it's just really hard. You'll read their scripts. You'll really like them. You hope that they wrote them, um, or you know, wrote them alone. Um, but you know, a good one will definitely appeal to you. And then you'll, you know, you'll have like your, you know, half hour, one hour meeting with them, see what they're like, you know, on, on their best behavior. And then after that, it's a crapshoot. I mean, it's like it's really hard to know. And it's what's fun. You'll talk to your friends, like and you'll check their references too. And, but it's very, very tricky because like, like I've recommended writers who I've worked with to other showrunners on other shows, uh, where it didn't work out for them. And it's not that it's not anybody's fault really. It's like, Oh, they, their personality, their talent jive with this particular project. And it maybe it didn't go with this and every room has its own flavor. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's really, really hard. It's a, it, it's like, these are like, they're, they're, they're like arranged marriages off of a, off of speed dating, really. And so you just sort of, you sort of hope that you, uh, I'm sure we overlook a lot of great writers and I'm sure, you know, uh, a lot of writers who maybe would have been better suited to other shows we've hired, you know, you hire and that, that happens all the time. Did anyone come in and tell like a really amazing story that you were like, okay, that's the guy. Like he told oh, this totally. crazy story. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that. I, I, Usually, like on somebody I hire, there is something that's like I'll, I'll take out of that meeting. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that would be great. That's a great energy. They come from a fucked up place. That would be great." Or they have this experience. That would be great. But even then, sometimes it's like you'll hire somebody, and it'll be like, and, and sometimes it's like you get that story, and it's great, and then they they flourish, and you were exactly right. And then some other times it's like, "Oh, that was their story. That was the one story they had." <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, somebody asked, uh, what was your favorite character on Modern Family? So everybody always asks that. It's really, um, it's, it's, it's so hard. To, yeah, it's an to, ensemble. It's like picking it your family. It's, it's an ensemble thing. I really did enjoy, so people maybe not, so, uh, the character I most like to write for frequently, obviously, you know, Phil Dunphy is great. You want to write those, those lines. And, and, but I really loved writing for Mitchell. Um, for Jesse Tyler Ferguson, because his rhythm was so, he just has, if you watch him as a performer, he has like such an interesting rhythm because it's not quite, really isn't being a straight man. He is straight man to, to Cameron, to Eric, but there's a, he's just, he, he, he has, he has such an interesting rhythm and like locking into his rhythm as a writer, like hearing that voice in your head, being able to like sort of channel that. I always found like, oh, that feels good. Try, trying that voice on feels really good. So. What are your favorite shows that you like to binge watch? I mostly like, I weirdly like dramas a lot. And, you know, so. You what know, do you like? I, what? Which ones? I just watched. I can't believe I never heard of this show before. Because I was like at a party and people were talking about their favorite shows. And the normal ones come up, you know, like Breaking Bad, The Wire. I wish I were fantastic. I love them. They're like, and I put, put them in, in the pantheon of the greatest television of all time. I'm a party, and like two people mentioned a show I'd never heard of. I ran two seasons on Amazon, and it's called Patriot. And it ended in 2016. And I was like, what? I, how do I, I'm in television. How do I not hear about the show? Anyway, I watch it. It might be like 18, 20 episodes. It is one of the best shows I've ever seen. It is, it's a, like, I, I just go watch it. It's like if you, it's if Homeland were funny and weird and not straight ahead, it's just got, it's like no other show I've seen. It's just, I really like it. A okay, lot. cool. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, I was a big fan of Bojack Horseman because it's just so brilliant. Um, and I actually like uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg's other show that he did, 
I think it was on Amazon as well, um, Undone, which is great. It's this beautiful rotoscoped animation, but it has a lot to say about mental illness, and it's really well done. So cool. those are a couple. All right, cool. Um, what do you want to do before um, the end of the times? It's not the end of the time yet. No, the end of end times before the world ends. Is there anything before? else? Because you've done uh, so much already. Like if you, if it ends now, are you going to be happy, or do you want to do uh, like a little more? No, I always want more. I mean, I'd like to do. I I, I wouldn't mind doing it. You know, I'd love to. I'd love to do a show. Um, you know, I'd love to do a streaming show or a show that only did eight or ten episodes. That would be like really fun. Or I could just sort of like write them all. Yeah. Write them all in a small group. Limited. And, uh, uh, what's that called? Limited series. Yeah, either a limited series or just one where it's like eight to ten shows a season. Where, but you're like really working on those two. Um, yeah, so I'd love to do that. Um, I don't know. I'd love to perform more. I've been like working on stand up, so I'd love to do that more. Um, Oh, yeah. How were your shows recently? Like, Jenny, they were pretty good. You know, I'm, like, rough. But, um, like, I did four shows huh? in D.C. I opened for her. And um, first one was a little rough, but I, but not like a lot. Like, people liked it still. And then, but from the second to fourth, I mean, I need to work on my material. Like, nobody's business. But I felt confident. I was good. It was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. It was really fun. I'm going to do this more. That's so great. Yeah, you're a natural performer, you know? Oh, that's nice of you to say because you're so talented at that. So I, that means yeah. a lot coming from you. And you teach it. So I really want to hear that. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to see what all you do. Me too. Um, in your human being phase. Yeah, being. Not doing, being. Just being. When is your? What are your upcoming things that people can find you and see you doing? You're doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. I'll be um, a podcast. I'll be here on my couch. Um, and where do uh, where do people get tickets for that? To to see you on your couch? Yeah. Um. Just, right now, you can go through Live Nation. Um. <laughs> it's um. It's the Watch Me Masturbate tour. <laughs> And I think you guys are really going to love it. It's, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, are there different yeah, seating? We, we were, we were, yeah, we did previews in Boston to, to much acclaim. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, well, thank you. This is so nice. I'm so happy that you could, could be here. And I just, I think you're, well, you're the best. You're one of my favorites. You know that. From the minute I met you. So I feel the same. So. Good luck with all of this, and um, it was my pleasure. First of all, it's just nice to talk to you. You too, Danny. Um, All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, um, I'd appreciate it if you could share it with someone else who could also enjoy or benefit from it um, by either – sending the link or sharing it on your socials, tweeting about it, Facebooking it, Instagramming it, TikToking it, whatever you kids do. Also, um, how about being a sponsor? You can sponsor this podcast for only like $5 a month or whatever amount you want to um, give toward its imminent success. Um, Just click on anchor subscribe button and um, be a part of our team. Thanks so much for your support. We can't do it without you. Um, and we love you very much. Bye.